Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by Cheez-It and Pringles. College Hoops fans know this already if you've been listening to the podcast. The being hungry for a win is a good thing, but being just hungry, Tate, not so much. Not a fan of that. So we stock up on Pringles and Cheez-Its before the game because the best way to keep the team spirit high in your home is to keep the snack bowls full with Pringles and Cheez-Its. I did this this weekend. Um, I, As you might be able to tell, I'm going through what I can only describe as a head cold because that's what I call every sickness that I don't really understand. I just call it a head cold. I feel like that's an all-encompassing thing. I'm a little congested, Tate, uh, a little bit under the weather. I'm persevering. I, I fighting through the adversity to be here and to clear my throat in a microphone and make Kyle edit it out. Uh, we're going to be doing that all day today. But yesterday, I'm above the weather. I'm yeah. feeling great today. Yesterday, uh, I, I decided to take a personal day. It was a Sunday, so it worked out well. <laughs> and just lay on the couch all day. I went to the little market right by my place, bought a big old box of Cheez-Its, and just sat there and binged Netflix and ate a big box of Cheez-Its, and it was great. And sucked on like Robitussin, and what a day that was! Classic flavor cheese. That's what are we talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, I'm classic. I'm okay. I'm an old school guy, mm. so I was just uh, yeah. Your old Big East. Yeah, <laughs> it's the old Big East of Cheez-Its. <laughs> the old Big East of snacks is the uh, the classic Cheez-It. So, uh, go get some Cheez-It and Pringles. As we said, we are back. Uh, we promised last week that we were going to do a, another pod uh, right around Thanksgiving. Uh, that was the plan, and for the first time in the history of this podcast, as I already mentioned. It was my fault that we didn't do the podcast. Um, I was under the weather. I legitimately could not really. I we, we went to Tate and I went to Vegas. We're going to talk about our trip to Vegas. Mm. Uh, but while I was while we were there, I was basically just sitting there coughing into my shirt and wiping my nose with my shirt and doing a lot of other things with my shirt the entire time. Uh, very very sick. Not taking it off like Eric Musselman did was, not take it off. Um, but yeah, I I got sick in Vegas and I already know that that's just sort of you're opening yourself up to all sorts of jokes when you say that phrase out loud. You're like, yeah, I got to Vegas and got sick, and then yeah. So anyway, you probably get the best sickness to get from Vegas as far as uh, the uh, implications in life. So just yeah, a head cold, right, right, right. There are worse things little, in Vegas. Just a head cold. Again, I don't you're really okay. know. I don't really know what's wrong with me. I just called a head cold because if easy. you don't need a cortisone shot, you're gonna be all right. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, we did not do a pod. I apologize. I I could not talk. I was coughing every five seconds. Um, um, and I was, I looked at Tate and I was like, Tate, do you want to do a pod on a holiday? And he was like, no, I'm actually, I'm good. So, uh, we have a ton to get to is the point, Tate. There's been a ton of basketball between the last podcast we did and today, which is Monday. Um, and we are going to do our best to talk about all of it. Duke Gonzaga happened. We still haven't talked about that. How Gonzaga got the Maui bump. They are now the number one team in the country. Uh, we did go to the Vegas Invitational brought to you by Continental Tires, classic Dollar uh, Shave Club, Dollar Shave Club, yes. uh, whatever the hell the title of that mm-hmm. tournament was. We went to that. We have a lot of thoughts on the four teams that we saw playing there uh, and a lot of other stuff that we're going to we're gonna get to. Uh, we'll get to all of it, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate, as I said, it is Monday. It is November 26th. The holidays are over. The first holiday's over. There are more holidays to come, but uh, we are back in the studio. Um, the Big Ten ACC Challenge technically started. I didn't actually realize this until yes, we just sat down. Yeah, the ranked teams, mm. like the games that people care about, start tomorrow on Tuesday, when most people are probably listening to this. Uh, well, Duke plays. Yes, they yes. play Indiana. <laughs> yes. So the, the most important team in the country will be playing tomorrow, yes. Uh, so Feast Week has come and gone, though, and we spent Feast Week, as again, we've already said, in Las Vegas. Um, your North Carolina Tar Heels lost... Um, to, to Texas. We saw Michigan State 
just absolutely destroy UCLA. And then Texas was beating Michigan State pretty handily. Michigan State decided to start hitting shots. They beat Texas in the championship. Uh, North Carolina, UCLA, kind of the same thing. UCLA was kind of control, in control, and then Carolina switches. A lot of good basketball we saw. Uh, your thoughts from the Texas, from the, uh, I said Texas, Vegas trip. I'm yeah, sorry. I was going to say, let's start with one team. Let's, talk, let's start with Texas. Let's start with Shaka Smart, because uh, we go into this game. Uh, you and I both were in the building. We see a lot of— I was at that game, yeah. Yeah, we were at that game. So we saw a lot of Texas fans there. Uh, a few of them Did were— we? Yeah, Well, we saw, <laughs> we saw a good amount. I mean, I, I talked to one guy in a Texas football shirt. I said— you know, this was at halftime. I was like, "You guys are gonna win. You're more physical. It's a great game." He's like, "I, I don't, I don't care. I, uh, <laughs> I actually went to Indiana. Where's Mark so, yeah. Titus?" Uh, <laughs> so you know, we're we're at the oh, Texas said, game. Okay, cool. Hook him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, okay, cool. Hook him. Uh, Shaka Smart. I went in this game and I'm like, Texas is unranked. Shaka Smart's probably gonna get on the hot seat eventually. And then just like we did, uh, Carolina did a couple years ago. Yep. They lose to Shaka. That was in Shaka's first season with Texas. And now. Here you go. He's rolling again. Shaka Smart. Here we go. He's at number 17 in the AP poll. Right. The highest he's been since he's been in Texas now. And now this is the first time they've been ranked since November 2016. Last time that happened, they lost three straight. So <laughs> in the words of uh, the Shaka mm-hmm. Smart, you know, all, all the believers in Shaka Smart, I would say beating North Carolina was a great win for them. And then when you look at the numbers, Kerwin Roach. I, I, we saw two Texas fans there as, walk, as they yeah. were walking out, and I yelled at them. It's like, you know, good game, guys. Is that can't, what you can't, can't believe that. Well, you know, what a nice win. Sportsmanship for the win, you know, and they were just like, Kerwin Roach. That'll never to, happen again. Were these the two Texas fans you were trying to fight the entire game? No, you're like, no, no, fuck no, no, these no. guys. No. And then as soon as the game. Well, they didn't know what three seconds were. Uh, yeah, so I was true. like, look, I, I can explain the rule to you or you can shut up. You have a choice. You have choices in life. Uh, yeah, t- Texas. So Michigan State won the tournament, and Michigan State fans, and we're going to talk about Michigan State. I, I was I was impressed but with te- Michigan but State, Texas but I think was Texas the was the star of the, the yeah, yes, the lone star, as they say, because Texas came out of nowhere for me. That I I thought Texas was not going to be that great this year, uh, and and they are. Kerwin Roach, my God, that what he did like. The 32 points was awesome. The the two dunk he had two dunks. He had the one the the breakaway one on zero mm-hmm. where he cocked he did the LeBron basically. Are we calling that the Zion now? Where you cock it back? The Dennis to the Smith Jr. Yeah, is what Dennis I call Smith it. Jr. Okay, yeah. um, he did that. Then he had the other one where he yammed on. Was it Cam Johnson? No, Cam got out of the way. You were saying he okay. got yammed on. He backed up out of the way. We're we're too smart for that. Because he realized he was about to get dunked Cam Johnson, on. Cam yeah. Johnson, I don't know if you've heard, he graduated Pittsburgh in two years. Okay, he's smart enough to know when a dunk's coming. He's smart he got enough out of the way. To, yeah, but he did jump. No, he, he didn't. Got, no, no, no. He, he jumped. No, and then, toes were still on the ground. Okay. His heels may have gone up, but his toes were on That's the ground. That's a good debate. I think like if, yeah, we should we should do a Twitter poll. If you jump at that point, no matter what you do, you consider dunking. It's on, I committed think, right? to the jump, though. That's what it is. You know, like when Nazir Little dunked on the entire team of UCLA. You know, they yeah. went up and put their lives at risk. Okay, and he bodied them. Point is, Kerwin Roach lit it up, scored a ton of points, had the dunks. I did not realize until I went back and looked at the box score that this man also had seven assists and six rebounds against North Carolina. It was just a thorough, complete dismantling of North Carolina. They still only won by two. I'm not trying to like put down Carolina. I think uh, we'll, we'll get to Carolina in a second. But uh, Texas, like Kerwin Roach was was unbelievable. He was like the star of certainly that game. But I think we're making it sound like it was a one-man show too because what happened was Carolina got beat the same way they got beat by Texas A&M. You know, funny enough, they got beat on the inside. Ozakowski roughed them up. Uh, Jackson Hayes, this freshman, comes off the bench. He goes five for five, 15 points, nine rebounds. Jackson Hayes is awesome. He's from Cincinnati, blocks. by the way. Yeah, from, from Ohio. Ohio. He's from kid. Ohio. Yeah, so he, he comes in and, and wrecks those guys. Those guys being Luke May, those guys being Garrison Brooks. I mean, uh-huh. the, all the post players for North Carolina just got worked by Texas. 
And uh, that was the that was that, the, that was the difference in the game to me. That was what was crazy to me about Texas and why I think you and I are coming away talking like the first team we're talking about is Texas because uh, Ozakowski was arguably their best player last year. I mean, Mo Bamba was obviously the most talented, and the it was it was a Jalen Brunson situation, right? So uh, Ozakowski was like the Jalen Brunson of Texas last year. It was like if if you, you watch enough Texas games, you're like that guy's kind of the heart and soul. Bamba impacts stuff and and blocking shots and. Uh, all altering shots and all like his presence was felt and all that. But like Ozakowski was the guy that had the long hair and would pump his chest and and hit big shots and all that kind of shit. And you're like, that guy might be the best player. I didn't even I almost like didn't even notice him against Carolina. And that mm. was what was crazy to me. Is because as you said, Roach was killing uh Jackson Hayes off the bench was amazing. Matt Coleman. Yeah. Coleman, uh mm-hmm. Mitch Long off yes. the bench as well. Yes. Nas's brother. Mm-hmm. Is the brother? I think it's his brother. brother. Yeah. yeah. I think it's his brother. It's um, sort of like the Antonio Brown situation with the Oklahoma. Everyone was saying it was his brother. Then he was like, right. no, it's just my cousin. But everyone's like, you know, close enough. Close enough. Close enough. Whatever. Listen, bud. Who yeah. cares? We don't worry. Yeah. Come on. Touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was that was why I, w- I came away so impressed with Texas. I was like, my God, these guys have these guys have pieces. They have talent. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Because as you said, uh, history does not exactly suggest that this is going to be something that we will see for the rest of the season. But right now, I, I'm four, impressed with Texas. Four straight against North Carolina yeah. for Texas. Four straight Four wins. straight, yeah. Well, so what, that's the other thing that you got to get worried about is just they have their number for whatever reason. I thought mm-hmm. it was a Rick, Rick Barnes thing going into the game. But Shaka, 2-0 and against North Carolina now. So uh, if you're Texas, I would be excited. I like that Ozakowski shushed Michigan State when they had the big lead early in the, in the, in the first. <laughs> and then they promptly lost the lead. And they promptly lost it, but I did like the confidence. I mean, Texas played hard, and as Izzo said, I mean, he was—what was the Izzo quote I had? He said, it was a fist fight out there. And then he went at the NBA, which you're going to like this. He said, those are more than NBA games as far as how physical they were. So Mm. college basketball, again, better than the NBA, according to Tom Izzo. Uh, And Shaka Smart, I like that he basically told his team, I don't know, rough them up and see if they call it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and that's kind of how you do in tournament games. And that's, uh, you talked about Bamba, like last year, even with Miles Turner, you felt like they were like a separate entity away from the team, like they were their own little thing. This team feels like a cohesive unit. They have guys that come off the bench that help, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I like what I saw. I'm, from Texas. I'm curious to see what happens with. I, I mean, Jackson Hayes has to start eventually. If, yeah, if not over like, Sims. If not yeah, like I think he will move. He's got. He's got to do like immediately. But I, I. But that's not. I like Jericho Sims actually. Like I think he's pretty good at what he like. I, I'm. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Here. No, the he's, word, he's not the a word is as, as they say in journalism, serviceable. Serviceable. There we go. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta. Fi- yeah, I gotta work on that. I gotta find words to because like the other thing was, and we're gonna we're gonna definitely get to Duke in a second. But the Marcus Bolden thing is like you gotta find the right because he's not terrible, but he's also was a liability against Gonzaga. It's like there you go, serviceable. I gotta I gotta add that one to my arsenal. That's how I feel about Jericho Sims. Like I don't hate the guy. I think he's pretty good. But Jackson Hayes is something special, and he's fun to watch. So. Let's talk about a guy that's not serviceable and a superstar, and that's my boy Kobe White. Okay, you want to get into Carolina now? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Michigan I mean, State Texas, fans are loving this that they're the they won the tournament and they're the third team talked about. Go well, ahead, we'll, no, we'll, we'll talk about. No, Carolina. we're going to save the best for last, and that's uh, the Steve Alford getting fired stuff. So, okay, yeah. Uh, Carolina Kobe, he said they played soft against Texas. Here's what this man did in the tournament: twenty six points per game, fifty seven percent from the field, sixty four percent from three. Mm-hmm. Freshman point guard, thirty three points against Texas in thirty minutes. Kobe White is. Were my, you impressed, Mark Titus? I was. Uh, I, so we we went to the game. Um, we saw one of your buddies there who we had Thanksgiving dinner with. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. And he at well, at Bouchon. Well, yeah, at Bouchon. Great Thanksgiving dinner, by the way. I yeah. Was, thanks so uh, much. Yeah, yeah. Very. Very. I was walking over to the Thanksgiving dinner in Las Vegas, and I passed the Guy Fieri restaurant. By the way, mm-hmm. and uh, it was full, and that was the saddest scene I've ever seen in my life. Is that just picture 
Guy Fieri's restaurant on the Las Vegas Strip, mm. jam-packed on Thanksgiving. And tell me a sadder story you've ever heard in your life. But anyway. Sounds like a party. Um, so I see your, I see your buddy, uh, and he, he pulls me aside, and he's like, hey, Titus, let me ask you something. You're unbiased. Um, is Kobe White not the best freshman in the country right now? I mean, what this guy's doing is incredible. He's got to be the best freshman right now. And I was like, false. Zion Williams is better than him. And he's like, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> That's not what I wanted you to say. Um, anyway, Kobe White is my favorite non-Duke freshman. I'll say that, Tate. He is, he is, he, he won me over this weekend. He was, he was incredible. I loved, I told you like early on in the first game, it, the Texas game, uh, uh, I said, I think he needs to get to cut the hair. I didn't want him to get rid of the full fro, but I thought like it was a little distracting. It was like a little Don't too big. Don't touch his hair. And then it, I, by the end of the Texas game, I was like, yeah, the fro is amazing. He's got to keep the fro. I didn't want him to like, I didn't want him to buzz it all the way down. Cause as you said, then he becomes like lost in the shuffle and he looks like, all of Carolina's six four to six seven wings that are athletic, but um, I don't know. I, I I didn't love it at first, but but he's so good. He won me over. He single handedly kept them in the game. Is the third most points a freshman's ever scored at Carolina. I mean, he was seven ten from three, and after the game, he was just basically Carolina. The rap that you get on Carolina, right? When you hear people talk about them, they're like they're soft. That that's how you can punk Carolina. He said after the Spot game, the we, we are soft. Yeah, You know exactly. what I mean? Which we don't usually get that a lot, you know, from especially from a freshman saying about his team. And we know who he's talking about. I mean, you were there next to me at the game. <laughs> I, I was losing my mind at Luke May because Luke May is, uh, I don't know what was happening. It, was, it seemed like he was possessed by like a robot that just decided, you know, I guess I have to go through the motions today. I'm really excited to go get this turkey. When will this game be over? He's making, he's getting trapped on the press, and he's like, you know what would be smart? How about just, you know, throw a little skip pass right here? And then Kerwin Rocha, Matt Coleman's like, boom, thank you, cockback dunk. Dude, and Luke then Roy May, Williams would not take him out of the game, which was driving me crazy. Luke May, saw. in every sense of the word, was the definition of going through the motions. Aloof. The man was he aloof. Was I don't know what he was thinking about. He would catch the ball. He would turn to swing it. He was not even looking if there was a defender there. He was like, I'm going to reverse the ball now. I'm going to throw it. And the Texas defenders are like, okay, thank you. And then we look up his box score, and he somehow only has like one or two turnovers, which is hilarious to me. Because, he had at least eight turnovers. I don't <laughs> yeah. know who they were giving the turnovers to, but I know he had at least eight. Uh, so back to the Carolina being soft thing, uh, because I, 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 I want to explore this more with you. Um I felt like the two problems Carolina had, and it's certainly in the Texas game and then the first half of UCLA, mm-hmm. uh, they don't play defense, one. Uh, you, you kept getting frustrated to me because you you had the— um, you're really good, You are a homer during the game, and I, I appreciate this about you, is that during the game, you're just passionate and you're screaming and you're like, ref, this is a bullshit call, even when it's like an obvious foul against Carolina. Like, of course, because it's called being a fan, right? But then after the game, when we're talking about it over dinner, you like come you 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 come out of it and you're more objective and stuff. Um, anyway, Carolina to me, uh, you, as as the games are going on, you say that uh, this always happens to Carolina, right? You're like Kerwin Roach is lining them up, and you're like this always happens to Carolina. And then the Tyrese Rice, and then the same thing happened against UCLA. They start hitting threes to start the game, and you're like this always happens to Carolina. And I thought I turned to you, and I should have waited till after the game to say this, but I turned to you and I was like Tate. Do you suppose that maybe all these teams are hitting threes on Carolina because Carolina's defense is garbage? And then you're like, shut the fuck up dude, right now. <laughs> and I was like, seventh woods. And that, yeah. that comes back to the main theory, yeah. which is the problem with this team. The reason that they got back on the UCLA game is because they went small. Yeah. And they put Nazir Little at the four. And Nazir Little at the four is quicker than whatever four yeah. they put him up against. And he wrecked them, and they could go small because Moses Brown fouled out with like eight minutes left to go in the game. And so Dude, that's, that's, that they were able to oh exploit that by being able to do Moses that. Moses Brown played eight minutes and fouled out for UCLA in that second game. We got, we got a lot to talk yeah, about with UCLA. My goodness. Um, 
so Carolina to me, the two problems that they had when when they were looking very very bad was uh, they don't play defense that well. They give up a lot of open threes, especially. Uh, and number two, offensively, I, I'm a little worried that they don't have guys that want to set screens. And I, that's the only that's the only rationale I have for for Roy sticking with like Garrison Brooks and and not Nasir Little uh, is that he's looking at like like you put the most talented lineup out there and you watch them play. They're they're undeniably the most talented, but then. I don't really get the feeling that a lot of those guys are like setting screens and trying to get guys open and all that. They just kind of like interchange and then the offense stalls and then someone throws up a contested shot and it usually goes in if it's Kobe White, but the rest of them, not so much. And that gets back to the main point for me with this team is like Roy keeps tinker- like tinkering with all these lineups and putting all these different guys out there. And I think what we figured out and what we learned is one, Kobe White is a scorer. He's not just the point guard of the right. North Carolina And Kenny Williams has like become... It, not a score, which, is com- <laughs> which comes back to my—this is my ideal Carolina lineup, and this is what I want based on what I saw this weekend. Seventh Woods leads the team okay. assists, starting at point guard. He was he was out. He's the point—he yep. was out in this—we we got Leaky Black. We found out that he could come in 18 minutes and be the backup point guard. That's what Carolina figured out. Seventh Woods starting at point guard, 5.4 assists per game, giving the ball to everybody else. Guess what? Kobe White, you don't have to worry about doing that. You don't have to facilitate. Just get buckets. So now he's our two guard. He's the scorer. Number three— Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. Dribble drive, kick out Cam Johnson, looking like 6'9 Reggie Miller hitting threes. That'd be nice. At the four, Nazir Little. He can set some screens. Okay. He's going to go against small guys. He's going to get matched up with a lot of fours in the ACC he can exploit. And then at the five, this is the shocker, Brandon Huffman. Wait, what? Yes, Brandon Huffman. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, whom, that makes no sense. Whom, whom? Fifth per 40 on the team. Fifth per 100, second best offensive rating on the team. Big guy, six foot ten, set screens, does all the little stuff. A little bit like Brendan Haywood. They have to find a five. Well, I have a Luke, I have, Luke May cannot play the five. That that was the other thing you were talking about getting beat off the dribble. Kenny Williams is getting beat off the dribble every single time. As soon as he gets in the paint, Luke May stand there and he's like, okay, lay up. So you're advocating Luke May off the bench? Yes, in crunch time. <laughs> in crunch time, oh, crunch. when you, you need to win a game. When you, when you have a team that is big like Texas and you play a team, like Duke's not that team. Carolina's not worried yeah. about Duke going big against them. Like, okay, Marcus yeah. Bolden, like Sterling Manley can handle that. You know what I mean? That's no problem. But you play a real team like Texas that has three big guys. Or you play, I mean, UCLA had the length. I mean, if they had, I mean, you talk about soft. I mean, if that team was like <laughs> playing hard, uh, you know, that would have been a real matchup nightmare. And it was a little bit in the first half. But Luke May can't play the five. Luke May is a four. And You're not wrong. That whole pro- this it's a it's a major problem. You're not I'm wrong. Saying. He can't play the five. He's not and, a five. And and I think you I think this helps defensively yeah. because Kenny's getting burnt. His yeah. shoulders hurt. <laughs> when he gets back 100, percent maybe we put him back in the li- starting lineup. But right now, this is what I wish I had this notebook pad at Tweet Roy. It. Take you, a picture. You know, take a picture of your lineup. How many tag. people? How many people look back at me just in awe and you were just like, oh my god. And then yeah. people were also like, I think Roy can hear you because I really yeah. was going. Cr- I lost my voice. <laughs> it really did. I was like, take Luke May out of the game, please. <laughs> it was a funny. We were sitting by please. two. We were sitting by two kids. The funniest thing. Tate, uh, we're sitting at the 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 first. This is the first game, Texas mm. game, right? Um, and Tate is just like screaming, take Lume out of the game, take him out of the game, whatever. And these two little kids were sitting by are neutral fans. They don't really care. It's a long story as to why they were there and who they were, but they, they, they basically like didn't care who won. They just kind of, you had endeared yourself to them. Like they, they were watching you. I became Daffy Duck to them. Yeah. They just started mimicking what I was doing. They thought it was hilarious. So they started mimicking you. And then like Luke May would check, would get up and check in. And I turn to these kids and you just see them going like, Oh no, what is he doing? And they're like, like one of them is like seven years old and has no idea what the implications of Luke May checking in actually are. They just see that it upsets you and they were getting upset. It was very funny. 
It was very funny to witness. And I'm I'm sitting there just like cackling like, God, Kerwin Roach is good. This is fun. <laughs> how how disappointing is it to be in that arena and realize how quiet it is for like for fans? It is yeah. so eerily quiet. You're talking about just the Orleans arena? Just, just the fact or, that just, just these preseason tournaments, you know, we oh, got all, yeah, all yeah. these neutral games yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's terrible. When you're in the building, I mean, the fact that people can hear exactly what I'm saying, the fact that Roy, like, Roy Williams well, could probably look at me and say, shut up if he wanted dude, to. Orleans arena, him. can I go on record? And, and no one actually cares that I say it. I just want to have this recorded for record that Orleans Arena, that was the worst event I've ever been through in my life. And mm. I'm not even talking about basketball, Tate. I'm talking about event, any event. The whole, the whole fucking thing was the most disorganized mess I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I'm not trying to be the complaining sports writer here. I'm just trying to explain to people, if you get a chance to go to the Las Vegas Invitational next year. Be the complaining Arena, sports podcaster. Yeah, exactly. That's better. Do not go. It is, it is a nightmare. Um, why they don't have this at T-Mobile Arena or... Thomas and Mac, I don't understand. I'm sure there's a compelling reason. Maybe the hockey team was playing. I don't really know, but uh, yeah, what a disaster that that the organization was. So I, I get, yeah, like it, it, it's it's not a great atmosphere, not a great atmosphere at all. But um, should we talk about the team that won the tournament? Yes. Before Michigan State fans kill us, the Nick Ward Redemption yeah, Tour. Please, it's officially on, and it's led by Josh Langford and Cash Winston. Yes, that, Cash. That, that, you're calling him Cash. That, that, yeah. So that was the other thing I want to bring up. Tom Izzo. I mean, we talked about it at the start of the season. He is officially on the front line, uh, you know, getting his name out there, talking back, uh, doing the whole, like, you know, yep. gung-ho, I'm Tom Izzo. And then, like, Josh Langford goes, has this great quote. He's like, Coach Izzo makes you think you can do anything. <laughs> and I'm like, what? what is, what? like, th- this is amazing. And he has 29 points his career high. So I, I mean, do it, believe, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he can make right. anything possible because Josh Langford's playing like this. Cash is Winston, tournament MVP. I mean, delivering the ball right on the money to a lot of guys. And... I don't know, their whole team, Michigan State, even though they were down early, it kind of felt like they were the better team and they just weren't making shots. Dude, M- Michigan State, as of right now, they are the number one make shots team in America mm. uh, in the sense that when they're not making shots, they look very bad. When they are making shots, they look very, very good. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what else there is to say about it. Like, we kind of already covered it in the uh, uh, the Champions Classic thing. Like, I think there's an obvious ceiling to Michigan State by not having... I, I don't want to, like, belabor this point all season with them, but... Um, I am sort of worried that they they are a three-headed monster and none of those three are future NBA players. And that's kind of like, I don't know how you get around that. But at the same time, they do have a ton of three-point shooting. Uh, Cassius Winston and Langford are are great together. They they have great chemistry together. Nick Ward, for all we like to, you certainly like to rip on him. But that was more for like last year. No. I'm trying to deflect the blame. You see what <laughs> no. I did there? You like that no, Tate's face? Tate's face was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm a friend of the uh, Ward family. No, uh, that, that was that was in the past. Like with the reason our problems with Nick Ward were last year and what mm-hmm. he did to that team last year. He has to play this year, obviously. He's one of the best players. Of course we want him to play now and we want him to do well. Um so I, I think like like Michigan State, they they are going to be very good. I think they I, I I'm now a believer in like them earning their ranking because Langford appears to be a completely different player than he, now that he's got freedom to he can do know, anything he can do anything yeah he mm-hmm. can literally do anything he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I yeah I, I I think Michigan State could win the Big Ten now. Like I'm I I after the Champions Classic I was like I don't know man I don't know how a team like that has no pros is going to do that. But I, I see their path, but I still think there's like an obvious ceiling and there's going to be like a stretch where guys are going cold and Langford's not shooting 48% from the three-point line or whatever it is. And Winston's turning it over a little too much. And Nick Ward's in foul trouble because he can't guard ball screens. Like they're going to run into these problems and then it's going to, they're going to, it's going to fall on Matt McQuaid's shoulders to, to score 20 points or something. And 
And I don't he's know. Like, good I luck. can do it, coach. Yeah, I can. I can do I anything. Can do it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but yeah, Michigan State Sweating obviously obviously looked great. I wanted to see Michigan State Carolina though. I think we all did going into that tournament. Uh, one way or another, we wanted that game to happen, and it didn't. So um, I mean, I'm, I don't want to rain on Michigan State's parade, but UCLA is a fucking joke of a team at right now. Like just completely embarrassing to watch them play basketball. Um, and then Texas is. I don't know. They, they they took it to Michigan State, and then uh, the Spartans started hitting a lot of threes. So um, it's not like if you're a Michigan State fan, be excited. Obviously, you won the tournament. Team's looking good, but it's not like you go away from that Vegas thing and you're like, holy shit, we have a national title contender here. I think Michigan State comes out of this the best way possible, but I do think three of the four teams in that tournament all had good takeaways at the end of the day. Yeah. And the one team that we're leaving off is the UCLA, UCLA Bruins, which, I mean, my goodness, Steve Offord. It's Woof. the end, end of an era, right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah. Uh, they lost by an average of 18 points in the tournament. Uh, and if you believe in net, which we do believe in net in this podcast, we're oh. going to talk about it later. We'd love the net. Uh, all types of nets. 86 in the nation, according to net. Uh, and then Steve Offord, okay, so you get your ass beat, right? You, you lose in both these games, even though you had a good first half. This is the quote. This was good for us. <laughs> we, needed, we needed to get slapped in the face. I mean, let me just tell you right now, if, I, if one of those players needs to slap him in the face. <laughs> this was good for us? Because all he did, we watched him. I mean, all he did They're when they were losing to North Carolina, I'm just sitting there watching him, hands behind the back. Oh, yeah. oh, oh shucks. A lot of shucks yeah. and a lot of awes. Like, terrible, terrible body language. Doesn't talk to anybody. I, I at the end of the day I wanted to ask like I mean how do you guys know what to do and they're like we really don't we just go out there and yeah. try to get buckets I mean as much as we can and then after the game he's like our offense is good when we pass the ball it's, it's, that's how we score points you got to pass the ball dude but say it during the game UCLA is uh, first of all they passed the airport test and I I famously have my airport test of mm. you see this team walking through an airport you're shitting your pants saying holy hell that looks like an NBA team. They they must be great. I mean, for God's sakes, Chris Wilkes, what like six eight, six nine? He plays. He should be playing shooting guard, but he plays small forward. Whatever. Like Moses Brown is a, is a giant. Like all the, across the board. And then they bring two six nine guys off the bench that can play one on the perimeter a little bit. Uh, they're they're stacked when you look at them physically, and then mm. even talent wise. I mean, Hands is good and Wilkes is good. Moses Brown, people think are good. People think is good. Um, Cody Riley was supposed to. Cody be Riley, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, they have talent, they have side, like, and it's 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 such a disaster, like how how little they give a shit. That's really all it is. It's just like across the board, it's it, yeah. There's like there there are these bursts where I don't know where, where, where like Jalen Hands tries to dunk on someone. It's like oh maybe he does give a shit. And I was like no, he just wanted to dunk on someone right there. And I don't blame Steve Alford. I blame the fit. And here's why I blame the fit. This is Bryce Alford, son of Steve Alford. You mm-hmm. remember the guy that took that shot in the tournament at that time and said it was goaltending, even though it wasn't goaltending in SMU loss. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Larry Brown. Age and experience go a long way in college basketball is what he tweeted during this game. Ooh. Do you know what John Wooden said once upon a time? He said, this is how you put your socks on, Bill Walton. He said, here's a bag of cash. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. He said, I'd rather have talent with no experience than having... A lot of experience with no talent. That is the opposite of what Bryce Alford is saying. The fit is not right. You must acquit. <laughs> and and by acquit, I mean Steve Alford, you, you must, must quit. quit. You, you must, must quit. quit. You must quit. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Um, Chris Wilkes has to transfer to IU. That's my takeaway from watching UCLA play. How do we set this up where tr- Chris Wilkes, uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball, had IU on his list, uh, ultimately chose UCLA because of 
Alford and Ed Schilling was an assistant at UCLA. He's now an assistant at Indiana. So the guy who recruited him is now at Indiana. All those words just meant money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just kidding, Chris. How do we, w- w- Kyle? Look through the NCAA rule book and find a rule that will allow Chris Wilkes to transfer to Indiana and be eligible immediately. Homesick. Yeah, homesick. He's that is the a hardship that, waiver. That is the answer because we don't want something like someone sick or you know Can all those some, things uh, we played before. What, Play the homesick card. What's the what's the, the Munchausen syndrome? Is that the one? What's it called? Where you you're know. looking at? You're stunned. Isn't that the one where you fake a sickness? Like a kid, like a parent pretends like the their kid has a sickness so they can get attention. Mm. I, it, it's called like Munchausen or something like that. Uh, we need to do that with one of Chris Wilkes' family members where they fake the sickness. Mm. Um, and then we get the hardship waiver, and then he can come to Indiana. What at about the homesickness? Why doesn't he just say I'm homesick <laughs> and I gotta go home, dude? Honestly, if I he, feel like Los Angeles people would actually buy that, yeah, like it, write him a note. Change his major too, right? That they, Ooh, they don't. Well, have. no, that's, that has to be like graduate transfer. But he could he could do homesick and and really you bring up a good point. He gets cleared. He'll get cleared because yeah. all you have to do is get in Jay Billis's mentions and be like, look at the NCAA trying to hold this man down. Billis will tweet it and be like, yeah, another disgusting decision from the NCAA. The public will rally behind it, and then they'll clear them. And think about this. They win on both sides of this because they're in Indianapolis. They bring a talent back to Indiana. The Hoosiers need it. God, dude, Indiana just needs, like, one guy to be healthy right now, let alone needing Chris Wilkes' talent. But, uh, yeah, let's get this done. Bring it back to Indiana. Because this is – it's just – like, UCLA is is an embarrassment. Um, But it is good news for the must bus. The must bus was in the building, yeah. and he was probably staring it down saying, uh, I would love to coach these kids. I want to bring up one thing about uh, Steve Alford again. This is a website, BruinsNation.com. You can go in and look this up. BruinsNation.com slash FireAlford is the website. <laughs> you can go look this up, folks. These are the three headlines that they had, first three headlines for BruinsNation.com slash FireAlford. Promise it's not sponsored ad. Headline number one, it's time to negotiate a divorce with Steve Alford. Mm. Mm. Headline number two, Alfred rumors to Xavier University as if they never heard of Xavier, you know, before Xavier University, never heard of it. We can only dream. That's head, headline number two. Headline number three, and this is the best one yet. Loyola's sister Jean trolls UCLA's Steve Alford. Those are the top three headlines on BruinsNation.com slash FireAlford. Go check that out. Um, I think we're close. Not the fact exactly that we already have confidence. a URL. I mean, yeah. I, I think we're there. There's a Fire Steve Alford Twitter account. Uh, must bus is like he's already starting the bus you know what I mean he's already turned it think, on sitting in there yeah. with his aviators shirt's definitely off maybe some peyote in the back I mean he's ready he's ready for the drive to California way everybody's ready uh, I think Alford's ready too I think he has to know like deep down in his loins it doesn't fit it's, do- it's not it's not the right fit it doesn't fit like part of him has to part of the reason I think he like stopped coaching is because he's over this he, he just realized like I can't coach how do I reach these kids and he can't. And he's just like, this is not my fit. This is not my style. I was raised in the Bob Knight mold, and now I am coaching like West Coast kids that are soft as hell, and just want to go to the beach and and want to get to the NBA and get Instagram followers. I, this is not my. Maybe it's one of those fit. things where he was yeah. like, how do I slap these kids? And he can't do it yeah, physically like Bob Knight yeah. did. So he's just like, maybe I just let them lose badly and poorly on national TV. That'll teach them a lesson. Instead, they're all like, you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to the NBA. Yeah. All right. <laughs> For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vladi Divac said that he was going to draft me uh, when I saw him out. <laughs> uh, what other takeaways from Vegas? My main takeaway from Vegas was uh, just how this whole tournament, This it was just a strange thing to be in Las Vegas. I was here 10 years ago, and it felt so much more lively. And I don't know if it's just the, the uh, ignorance of youth, uh, but I, it just felt like this time around, it just felt like it was a very low-stakes event. 
And it, yeah, uh, yeah, it just, yeah. just around everywhere in Vegas, it felt very low stakes. And not to say that people should be going crazy over Thanksgiving, but, uh, uh, you know, even, even when we were, like, watching games, watching Tennessee, Kansas, you know, people were kind of like, oh, yeah, that's on. Can you put back uh, that uh, Oklahoma-West yeah. Virginia game so I can see them score 100 million points and, and break football? Yeah, so. L- Las Vegas does not love college basketball. Yes, right that's what we learned. Yeah. That's what we, we, we definitely learned that. Um, we will talk about the—let's talk about the Kansas-Tennessee game. Uh, we, we have a f- couple other games we're going to get to. We're saving the Maui stuff for the end just because that's what people really want to hear. I, I learned that lesson. Mm. Like, you, you, you save that for the end. People listen— to the whole hour of bullshit, and then they get to that point. So uh, we'll, we'll get to all that in a second, but first got to take a break. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can show Shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Mark Tice and I have a lot of games to go through this year. We're going to go to see Nevada at some point, or Nevada, depending on what you want to say. Uh, that's going to happen. We're going to SeatGeek. Pepperdine. Uh, yes. What is this? Next weekend. Cal State Northridge. Cal State Northridge Pepperdine makeup game from the Fires. They got Gottfried, Romar. Yeah, we're going to try to go to that one. Can't uh, wait. Yeah, uh, hopefully hopefully their ticket's still available. I don't know. what the, We'll see. I want courtside seats. Uh, best of all, OSP's listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code OSP. SP today. That's promo code OSP for ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets, and that's not all. We also have the socks. Thanks to two years of research and development, and multiple improvements in design, performance, and comfort, Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. No blippas, just Bombas with an arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most, and a cushioned footbed that's reinforced for comfort without adding bulkiness. Bombas feels like a hug around your foot. Not to mention, Bombas Stay Up technology ensures that your socks stay in place without leaving a mark, and the super soft cotton material makes you never want to take off. So whether you are a runner, power walker, power lounger, there's a podcast producer or a podcast Mm, producer, podcast host, one of those people. Oh, so love good. Bombas. There's a pair. I'm wearing them now. <laughs> there's a pair of Bombas that'll add comfort. Feet, Kyle, how are your feet your right life? now? You're wearing them. They're feeling great. I got oh. new shoes and I got some classic Bombas socks. I'm love wearing them. mine right now. So great. What about you, Tate? I'm you wearing <laughs> socks. Uh, <laughs> go to bombas.com slash shining. <laughs> go to bombas.com slash shining and use the code shining for 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash shining. Code shining and you'll get 20% off your first order. Back to basketball. All right, Tate, let's talk about uh, this Kansas-Tennessee game, uh, the top five matchup that happened in Brooklyn, I want to say. Yes, yes, it was in Barclays. Brooklyn. Uh, we were watching this in the casino. Uh, what, what casino were you at? The Win? Is that the one? The Encore. The Encore? The Encore, the like smaller that. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're watching this game. Um, this is the first time I've ever bet on sports, by the way. Mm. So mm. The, the story here, because people love people love to hear your betting stories. That's what I've learned. Inside and betting, yeah. I, that's what I've learned about uh, the populace. The American sports fan loves to hear people, loves to hear other people talk about their bets that they placed. So this is the first bet I ever placed. Um, you were sitting there. We were waiting for the game to start. You just like impulsively, I, I think, just stood up and put, what was it, 80 bucks on Tennessee? Yeah, money line. Money line, yep. yeah. 
Yep. And I was like, what'd you just do? And you're like, I don't know. I just had a feeling. I just feel like Rick Barnes is going to get it done. So I was like, Especially, all right. They, they put this Bill Self quote up, and he was basically like, our team is soft, and if we get punked in this game, I don't think we have an answer. Right. Which, you know, sometimes you hear that, and you might go the other way with that, but then I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, a guy named Admiral Schofield, you know, a Bill Simmons favorite you player thought, of the year, yeah. and Grant Williams, I mean, a guy who's going to win SEC player of the year probably back-to-back. I was like, those two guys can bully Diedrich Lawson, right. and they can get Azubuki in foul trouble, and they're going to play inside out. That's what they're going to do. And you thought maybe almost. maybe Bill Self would see the orange and get confused and think it was Oklahoma State. Yeah, and give him maybe. the Bill Self special. Yeah, you Is never know. Or, yeah. or, or maybe Rick Barnes does to Bill Self what he does to Roy Williams. You know, has so, one of those little things. Yeah, like a, like an old school little coaching trick. You there know you know go. I mean? So you you put money on Tennessee. Uh, I decided I don't want to be the. I I have to put money on somebody now. Um, so I I had the debate of like, should we be in this together? Should I bet on Tennessee as well? Or should I go the opposite thing so that one of us wins? Uh, so I put $100 on Kansas Moneyline, uh, and then I won. And that's my story, is that I've won. I'm, I'm undefeated in, in, in gambling, sports gambling, and uh, I'm ready to retire. So that's that's pretty much it. This game but was— Oh, my God, what, what a first game to— <laughs> You should have seen the flip-flopping during this game. Uh, this was the—this this tested the race of 69. Uh, really which, did, which is yeah. really something that we've prided ourselves on. It's worked pretty much in every game I've watched. Uh, but in this one, Tennessee gets to 69 first, so I'm celebrating. I'm like, mm-hmm. I've made the right pick in your face. This is great for me. Ah, I think but, I said the phrase, this is why I don't gamble. Yes. 300 you were times. Out. As soon as they hit it, you were yeah. out. You were like, this was so stupid Dude, I was of me. Out. I wish I would have bet with you. We could have won together. Uh-huh. We could have celebrated. I'm sitting there and I'm like, what an idiot Titus is to yeah. have thought that Kansas win, would win this game. This is so stupid. Ha, and, ha, ha. And then Grant Williams fouled out. And then... Just like that, Kansas gets a 69. We're tied at 69. I'm like, oh, my God. Next bucket wins the game. Kansas scores. Kansas wins the game. I'm an idiot. You were laughing. You were like, yes, I am a genius. I am a mastermind. Wait, wait. I have won all these So, bets. hold on. So, are, are you rethinking your theory? Because the theory has always been the race to—you you, you say the race to 69. It is the race to 69. But then once you are stuck on 69, you have to get off it if someone oh, ties you. So, yes. it's the race to yes. get off no, no, no. 69. <laughs> no, no, no. So when you you're can win the game 69 67. Right. Okay. That's true. But if you were on 69 and the other team say they have 66. So if you're 69 say in together, it's North Carolina, they have 66. Kobe White hits a three. We're tied at 69. Next bucket wins. So so you're you're 69. It's like in 21. Yeah, Gotta win by two. You're 69 together. It's the first one to get off. Yes. Perfect. That Perfect was theory. Yes. Great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Um that's called ball talk. <laughs> so uh, uh, Grant Williams fouls out. That was pretty much the difference in this game. I felt like I felt like Tennessee was, you know, I'll say it. I, th- I felt like they were probably better. Like this is one of those games. I think both teams walk away happy. Uh, Kansas is obviously happy because they won. Tennessee's happy because they're like, I felt like we're the better team. And Grant Williams just fouled out. And if he doesn't foul out, we win that game. And that's that's good because Kansas was ranked number one in the country in the preseason. Has now beat two top ten teams. Tate. And has been jumped by Duke and now Gonzaga in the in the polls. Five and zero, they beat yeah. Michigan State, Tennessee, and Marquette. Yeah, the number four team in the BPI. The disgrace preseason. No respect for those Jayhawks. Speaking of the Jayhawks, can mm. we talk about uh, what the hell's happened to Quentin Grimes? Because the story for Kansas right now that everyone's talking about is LeGerald Vick. We've we've talked about him the last couple podcasts. How he's just kind of. He looked not great, honestly, in the, the Michigan State game to start the season. And then he just goes on a tear, like, immediately. He drops 32 consecutive games, hitting every shot he takes. Uh, 
everyone's excited about LeGerald Vick, but they're they're leaving out the the other the flip side to this, which is LeGerald Vick stole his talent from Quentin Grimes, who in the Michigan State game, I was like, damn, this this freshman's unbelievable. I love this kid. I'm going to really enjoy watching him play. He scores 21 points on Michigan State. And the four games since, Tate, he has scored 24 combined points. What is going on here? He's playing out of position, and LeGerald Vick has taken his spot. LeGerald Vick has become the shooting guard. Quinn Grimes is playing shooting guard. Those shots he took against Michigan State are now being taken by LeGerald Vick because they're going in, and now he's in between positions because he should have been a point so guard, but Dotson's playing the point guard. Mm. So now he's just like, I can't shoot because LeGerald has to shoot because he's wet. I can't really facilitate because Devin's going to facilitate. First of all, like the Devon-Devin thing— I've always said Devin. People are saying Devon now. This is it's getting into Trevon. the Trevon Duval territory for me. Uh, I'll say I'll just say Dotson. Uh, and now Dotson's you know he's doing well. He's playing well. We saw him in that first game, but he looked more timid than Grimes. And now Grimes looks like he's going to put on one of those Michael Kidd Gilchrist like body shirts, like Cam Reddish, and act like he's not that great. And it's like you're great. You're great. But Joe Vick is just out of his mind. We know this yeah. is going to run out eventually. You know it has to end. There has to be an end in sight. I mean, Bill Self knows it. He's looking it's, at every single game. He's waiting for them to lose playing this way so he can change things. But he can't change it yet. And that's why he said that before the Tennessee game. He was like, I mean, I don't know. I think eventually we're going to lose playing like this. He just keeps shooting. Somehow it keeps going in. And Bill it Sells, keeps working. He, Bill Sells like mad. He like goes yeah. into the coach's he's like office after they win. He's, he's like, like yeah. what the fuck is going on? Why? He's trying to jinx with Gerald Vick. Yeah. He's like, he's playing out of his mind. I mean, eventually it's got, you know, he'll just keep making all these shots. He's Mr. Garrison running for president. Yes. And he, he's trying to purposely lose. And he, <laughs> he's like, how is this working? And everyone's cheering. <laughs> It's like, yes, Legero, keep shooting so that way you miss so I can put you I on mean, the bench. I mean, I just told the boys, just get and the ball to Legero. People it. start. <laughs> he's, like, what? he's like, I thought you guys would it is, this. It is, honestly, it's one of the funniest stories. It's it's the funniest story in college basketball right now. and I, I assume it's going to be one of the funniest all season that Legero Vic is basically kicked off the team and comes crawling back on his hands and knees. And Bill Self's like, sure, I guess you can play. And then in doing so, like Legero Vic has basically saved this team because he's multiple games he's been actually I shouldn't say that let me let me walk that back Diedrich Lawson has been great and I yeah. feel like going into the season we knew he was going to be great like he was popping up on preseason all-american list a lot of a lot of hype around him transferring from Memphis and he's putting up insane numbers he he went over against Vermont and mm-hmm. he's still averaging like 18 points a game yep um Yet I feel like he's kind of under the radar like I don't I th- that's a very vague term to say a guy's like flying under the radar because you can I don't know. There's no way of measuring such a thing, but like, I feel like LeGerald Vick is getting talked about a ton. And people well, let's be honest. People want to say LeGerald Vick. I that's mean, pretty that, much what it, it is. It's yeah. the easiest and fun name to say. I mean, when you watch their team, he takes all the big threes. Also, his story's hilarious. Yeah, yeah but, uh, it's just like LeGerald. But yeah, Lawson. Lawson's playing really, really well. So um, Charlie Moore too. I think that's the other thing. I mean, they got a nice little guard spot there. I mean, Quinn Grimes. We we got to figure out what's going on. We please, have to figure that please out. Please don't put that uh, padded shirt on. Or on I'm the flip get worried. side, Tennessee, I am very impressed by them. Um, I in fact, I've I've been mentioning them, and maybe it's just guilt because we left them off of our preseason preview, but I don't really think so. Uh, I've been mentioning them when people ask me my final four picks. They're always the like curveball I throw at people, which is they're not even a curveball. They're a top five team. They're going to be very good. But I think like people expect me to say blue bloods, and Tennessee is the one final four team I keep throwing out, and and it keeps looking better. Grant Williams somehow. What is it? It's it's not even December, and he's already won SEC Player of the Year again. Yeah, like, it's pretty much a lock. It's, at this it's pretty point. much a lock that he's going to win it again. He's, and he's got the media people that love him. You know, every time they talk about yeah. Grant Williams and what he does for leadership on this team, and they play. I mean, they play inside out, so it's so different. I mean, the reason they lost this game. I mean, 
after the game, you know, Rick Barnes is giving his talk. I mean, free throw, you know, discrepancies, you know, big problem for us. And we had no flow game, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you got no flow game, whatever that means. Uh, and and they just didn't get the ball inside to Grant Williams. They took a lot of threes. And he also said they were too emotional, which is a, a theme. We're going to talk about a team uh, later so, that also said that. Um, a little too emotional. One last comment. You already mentioned this, but the the Vegas situation, uh, I, I want to get my complaint in as well. That uh, we tried, we we're watching this on, on a screen in the casino at the sports book. And they got a lot of big screens. And they're showing, uh, what is it? Um, Washington, Washington State football on one of the big screens. Yep. They're showing uh, the other, the Oklahoma, West Virginia game mm-hmm. football on the other big screen. And on the third one, they're showing the Kansas-Tennessee game. And we're the only two people in there, apparently, that are watching this Kansas-Tennessee game. It's number two versus number five. Why would you not want to watch this, right? And then the because Lakers game. Brooklyn. And then the Lakers game starts. Mm. And they show they flip the they flip the screens and put the your the, boy LeBron the Lakers Jazz game he put on, it in the call yeah he was like change change all the screens the disrespect for college basketball from Vegas is unbelievable it's just it's sour grapes it's because UNLV is not good that's really all it is and we got to figure out a way to get the run you should have seen it they took all the screens and they just like put it into one yeah. big screen with like LeBron and the Lakers you know they took away all the other screens I about lost my mind like part of, like part of me said like I'm gonna go complain to somebody mm-hmm. and the other then. Thankfully, the other part of me was like, dude, you're in Vegas. They will just, like, beat the fuck out of you and throw you out of the casino if you mm. try to s- start a ruckus. They don't need you. They don't care about you. Because, I, you know, in my mind, I was like, it was like I was at Applebee's in suburban Ohio, and the waitress would just change the TV for me. Um, but that's not how it works I in Vegas. I cannot find that so got, remote, yeah. Mr. Todd. I'm so sorry. <laughs> in the second half, the number two versus number five mm. game in the second half, very close game, gets demoted to, like, a tiny screen. Very upset tape. Um... What other games do we want to talk about? Do We're going to talk about to Virginia real okay, quick, Virginia, right? So we'll talk about okay. Virginia-Wisconsin, which was the uh, the shootout that we all hoped it would be, right? I mean, my goodness, what a game for all those guys. Uh, 18 points, so this is the third Tony that we've gotten. Uh, or no, this no, is the, the fourth. fourth Tony that we've this gotten. This is the fourth oh, Tony in six games for Virginia. If you don't know what a Tony is, uh, a Tony is the, the, the less phrase— Less than 20 points. Less yeah. than 20 points in the first half. Um, I came up with this phrase basically— uh, just to to give people something to watch for when you're watching Virginia and you're like, holy shit, this is boring. Uh, watch for the Tony. Watch the first half and be like, I hope they can keep them under 20. And then that makes it kind of exciting. And they did because uh, Wisconsin, I think they shot a three from the corner uh, in their last possession in the first half that would have gone in. It would have canceled the Tony, but they missed. So, yeah, exciting. That was the most exciting moment of the whole game. <laughs> so when anyone says to you that Virginia is not a tournament team, you got to say this. Six straight, folks. Six straight. Michael Jordan type. Thanksgiving holiday tournaments for Virginia. They're a great Six tournament straight. team. They've proved they're a great tournament team. Six 24 game win streak <laughs> in November. It'll, yeah. For the Tony Bennett team. I don't understand it. Why can do we, people can talk we make about them March, now? November? Yeah. And then maybe maybe we're talking about a lot of titles down there uh, in, in Wahoo Town. So this game was everything that I thought it would be. It was uh, slow. Yeah. Well, not, not just the pay, but like Virginia was in control at all times. And then they shot like. It felt like 9% from three in the second half. They scored 20 points in the second half, and they still won, I would say, comfortably. It was a close game. And Wisconsin fans, you could say, we kept it close. You're talking like Virginia blew us out. And to that I say, there was really no moment of this game where I was like, oh, Wisconsin might win this. There's none, because that's just that was the game a we knew was going to A seven-point lead happen. for Virginia is yeah, a 15-point like, lead for right, most teams. Right. So uh, it was pretty much exactly what I expected, with one minor exception, Tate. Buzzcut Brad. Are we worried about him? Uh, he has not been himself this year, and I have a theory. I think he needs to dislocate his shoulder. 
I think he needs to purposely dislocate his shoulder. I think that's the difference. He is kind of in a slump to start this season, not as good as he was last year. If you remember last year, pops his shoulder out of socket, becomes a theme for him all season where if he's if he starts a game a little slow, he would just die for a loose ball, pop his shoulder out, like limp over to the bench even though it's a shoulder, and you're like, Brad, why are you limping? He's like, don't ask questions. It's it's how the magic works. It's performance. Yeah, it's performance art. Mm-hmm. Then he goes over to the bench, pops that motherfucker back in, comes in and just starts raining threes on people, and like that was the magic of Buzzcut Brad, right? It was like it was like some Henry Rowan Gardner shit, dude. Mm-hmm. It was like he's he's got his messed up arm, and that's what makes him make stuff. And then in the offseason, he gets the surgery and all the magic's gone. That's my theory. I think, Brad, if you're listening, dislocate your shoulder. You'll get it all back. We're rooting for you. Or maybe his shoulder's just sore from the surgery, right? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Brad. I mean, you know, I I want him to come back. I'm happy for Ethan Happ because what was the one rule we learned for Ethan Happ? Just double him and he can't do anything. Virginia did double him early. He was passing out of the double team. Granted, it didn't work in the grand scheme of things, but to me— I was like, wow, that's that's impressive, Ethan. Ethan Happ, Happ has you've learned. You've learned. He, he has more post moves than just the spin move baseline. Now. Yes, he, he'll he'll what he'll do now is like he'll fake a spin move baseline, go to the middle, and then spin back baseline and shoot the reverse layup. Or he'll he'll go middle and like do it, give a pump fake, and then spin baseline and do the reverse layup. Like he doesn't just go baseline reverse layup every time. He does other things and then spin move. It, you know what it reminds me of? Like when Jake DeLome used to throw a deep ball, it was so slow and it hung in the air so long that the timing was off for a defensive back. So somehow yeah. it would get caught. It's the same thing with Ethan Happ. It's so slow and it's so off what you've ever seen before that he beats you. And you're just so confused by it. We're like, how did that take that long? But it does work. But it does work. And he does beat you. That's and what I'm saying. He's beat, he's beat you for four years. That's the other part yeah. is that like— it has to be frustrating. At a certain point, this isn't a fluke. He, the, the man is obviously super talented, and he's—it's he's, definitely not a juke. It, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's for sure. The weirdest thing, too, to me, is how skilled happy. Like he's an anomaly. He, they need to study him. Someone needs to figure, like, take his brain into a lab or some shit, because mm-hmm. the dude is so skilled, but can't shoot. And like, how does that? How do you reconcile that? How can you be so skilled but not skilled at the same time? And it's it's a paradox. He has a great basketball IQ, but he's not smart enough to like practice a jump shot. I don't get it. Uh, but he's unbelievable. It's, it, my question to you is this tape: Is Ethan Happ the best college basketball player of all time who has a zero percent chance, literally no chance whatsoever, of playing in the NBA? I think he might be. Mm. That's my. That's hang the banner in, in, the, in the call center. Hang his jersey right now. Put that underneath it. Greatest college player of all time who. Has zero chance, and I don't mean point zero one percent chance. I mean zero chance. You can, no one in the NBA wants a big man who can't shoot from outside the paint. I know. I'm just racking my brain from like old school Duke teams that have people that had no chance to have the like, NBA, like Cherokee Parks. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that's, <laughs> right. we're getting deep in the, the yeah, like a deep cut like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm going uh, deep, deep, deep. Yeah, that's that's my stance on him. It's mm. like uh, I great college player. I don't know. It's 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 baffling. But he's 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 very very good. Every time I talk about him, I feel like I'm insulting him, and I'm not. I'm just trying to like make sense of it. Because you it think people make sense. said that about Muggsy Bogues, you know, just because he was so short, they're like, there no, there's no way there's this no little way. man will dominate the NBA. What if what did. if Hap does it? Like what if like he just get he he gets one of those shot doctors? Like he he works out with the guys <laughs> that. Uh, like Bamba and Embiid are working out with what's it, the, Drew the guys, Hanlon. Drew Hanlon, yeah. The Drew Hanlon that, gets his hands on him. And he's like <laughs> the guy that said, uh, "Hey, Markel Fultz, uh, you're hurting my business." Bye. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Never mention my name again, Marco. Yeah, yeah, you are out. What if Hab just, uh, you know, Drew Hanlon gets his hands on what? It'll take a, it'll take a month or something. He'd be hitting threes. My favorite is that Chip England has been replaced in that. You know, it used to be always be just because of Kawhi. It's like, well, look, man, if you just get him down to San Antonio, yeah. Chip England. He'll make it work. It's like, I've seen a lot of guys I go have, down there. It does not work. I have a big enough ego to think that I could be a shot doctor professionally. That's mm. my ultimate goal in retirement when I get done with this podcast. When when the when the podcasting game passes me by in a couple of years, um, I'm going to retire and become a shot doctor. What is hire. the uh, basketball obsession with uh, the medical profession? You know, we got a lot of doctors in the game. Yeah. Everyone wants to be a doctor. Maybe that's a projection. We'll figure that out next week. Here's, here's, my, other, here, here's my other question for you. Uh, Back to the team that actually won this game. We we have a habit of talking about the teams that don't win because um, we like the underdogs. And I have a feeling we're about to do it in this last it's game. It's underdog podcast. But, uh, who is Virginia's best player? Tape that is that is the big debate raging amongst the. It's, it's not a debate. It's it's DeAndre Hunter. We both told you it was DeAndre Hunter. Their most important player though, Ty Jerome. But their leader is Kyle Guy. But their best screener. Their, their leader their is Tony Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> That's their leader, it, it, but but their 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 X factor, but their glue guy is Jack Salt, mm-hmm. but their X factor is Diakite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Problem solved. Cal guy is just the guy, and there's the guy. That's it. So it's DeAndre Hunter. It's no, you you don't even want to enter, entertain a debate. I DeAndre you, Hunter, ACC Player of the Week, nineteen point three points per game in the Bahamas. Yeah, to average almost twenty points in For a Tony Virginia. Bennett system. Yeah. is pretty ludicrous, and that's why. If you're an actual NBA scout or a basketball scout or, you know, you're in the EuroLeague and you're trying to get, you know, your Luka Doncic. Yep. DeAndre Hunter. The, de- what a, DeAndre what a Hunter, great yeah. player. Yep. Uh, okay, it's time. Let's talk about it. We we have to get to the Gonzaga-Duke game. Uh, it was mm. the game of the year in college basketball. Uh, Gonzaga gets the Maui bump. They beat Duke. R.J. Barrett goes 0 for 5 in the final minute of this game. The score is 89-87 with a minute... 10 left or so. RJ Barrett then misses five shots and the final score becomes 89-87. There's no other scoring that goes on. Um your thoughts. Let's first get coach K's thoughts on this game and then we'll we'll come back and give our thoughts. We did not play basketball worthy of our program. And um we we had blank faces. Uh we didn't talk. We were like five individuals out there. And it was it was disgusting, really. And no matter what we said, nothing worked with our team. But uh, you know, whether I, I don't look, you can say why, why. I do not know why. I do not know why. I don't know why either. It was Marquez. disgusting. For, I, is mm-hmm. it because you have three super talented freshmen that uh, didn't come here to play defense and to be a cohesive unit? Or? No. He said we weren't emotionally ready to play. Hmm. That's what it was. They were physically ready to play, physically not ready. emotionally ready to play. Also, I mean, a lot of times when you play Gonzaga, you would like to have at least four days to prepare for them. Uh, that's what Coach K told us also. So, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, you you need at least four days before you uh, prepare for he is Gonzaga, the king of you know? the uh, he is the king of the excuse in the press conference, but not this is he's the king of prefacing it with this isn't an excuse, but mm-hmm. the floor was slippery. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Zion, you saw Zion slipping around out there, mm-hmm. but the, you know, like it was slippery, but it was slippery for both teams. But it was it was slippery. That's just a fact. It was a tight game. It was, it was a slippery tight game. floor. Yeah, we took some it, took some tough ones down the stretch. We didn't have a ton of time to prepare for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was a, the same turnaround for both teams. But it's just a fact. We didn't have a ton of time. You so. mentioned R.J. Barrett. Yep, I did. Coach K did not mention R.J. Barrett in his post game. Never really 
pointing to the fact that he did take those five shots as if, you know, he was fine with those five shots in the final minutes. Here's R.J. Barrett on this team. Most minutes, most turnovers, worst field goal percentage, 40.8%. Most attempts on the team. Of course. The second most attempts. Let me just, this is the difference. Most attempts, 125 on the season. The second most attempts on the team, Zion Williamson, 75. (laughs) 50 shots less than the second most guy on the team, Zion Williamson. That is R.J. Barrett, folks. 31.6% 31.6% from three, 62.2% from the free throw line. Yikes. We look young. We look young. No, you look stupid because <laughs> you, you got this kid taking all the shots. Yikes. And I cannot believe that Coach K, I don't know what deal he made. It's amazing when the devil makes a deal with the devil. I mean, I didn't know that's possible. <laughs> that's like a hat on a hat. Uh, but he has obviously made a deal with someone that RJ will take those shots in uh-huh. the last minute. It was all RJ. He did not look to pass any, to anyone else. And this is what we talked about with this Duke team. When does it flip? Because right right now, Coach K has to say to Zion or to someone, to Trey Jones, I don't care what happens. I don't care if he says he needs the ball. you got to get the ball there. So this is the point I had with you. Uh, We've talked, I can't remember, our whole life feels like a podcast. I don't remember what I say Mm -hmm. on air or off air, but I said this to you at one point that I think like the chemistry issues with Duke, that when we watched them destroy Kentucky and everyone comes away from that game, probably us included, thinking, how is this team going to lose? Who could possibly beat this team? Uh, The one thing you come to is like, maybe chemistry becomes a problem. Maybe they get put in these spots, basically the end of this Gonzaga game, where where does the ball go to? Are they going to start butting heads, the alpha dog type shit? Um, I don't think this is going to be like a, a conscious decision. Like, I don't think Zion Williamson is coming out of this game, like now going to like turn a cold shoulder to RJ Barrett and there's going to be problems in the locker room and all that kind of stuff. I think the chemistry issues arise from basically RJ Barrett, every time he gets the ball, he sees the defender in front of him and he thinks, I can beat this guy. And he has not like told himself, and he probably can because he's super talented. There's a reason he's the top recruit in the country. There's a reason people thought up until a couple weeks ago that he was going to be the number one pick. Uh, every time he catches the ball, he's like, I can beat this guy. That is my job. Like the whole point of playing basketball is you find a matchup where you can beat the guy. I can beat the guy. So here I go. I'm going to beat the guy. And he just does it every time. And that to me is going to be the chemistry issue of this subconsciously like retraining your brain that just because you have a guy in front of you that you can beat doesn't mean you should take every single shot and beat him every single time. Because if you just swing the ball over here, Zion Williamson has a guy that he can definitely beat or... Trey Jones has this matchup, or Cam Reddish has this, or even Jack White's wide open in the corner for three. I, I don't really feel like he has gotten to that point. He and didn't that to me look is the problem. to pass yeah. the ball at yeah. one time. Not only did he did it twice, we had a timeout, we had some missed free throws from Hachimura. So Coach K had time to talk to the team, and that was the funniest part about it. There's no way he was sitting in that huddle with those guys and was saying, Good job, RJ. Let's go back and try to get another mm. one. I mean, those are some good shots. Just keep putting it up. Just keep go- There's just, no way that he was saying that to him. I it's mean, a numbers game, RJ. Just keep throwing them up there. One of them's going to go in. I don't know what he was saying, though. And that's the, kind of the interesting part to me. And I think he can't be direct with these kids, these young kids. He can't directly be what he wants to be to them. Like, he can't say what he necessarily wants to say, I don't yeah. think. So he's going to do it passive-aggressively, and he's going to do it through a Jones, and he's going to do it through Trey. Mm-hmm. They're going to freeze out RJ at the end of games. And that's, I cannot wait until they're in another <laughs> late-game situation because he may not explicitly say to RJ, you're not going to get the ball, but they're going to freeze him but out. But they're going to find a way to— Oh, yeah, they're going to freeze him out because yeah. that was insanity. And I, I honestly, he, I will say this in Coach K to, to show him some respect. He did do a good job by not throwing him under the bus because 
I mean, if if that if someone does that, you know, on Kansas or someone does yeah. that, even on Carolina, I think some comments probably would have been made about it. Was it. Egregious. It, was, it was a selfish. It was definitely selfish decision. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely egregious too. It was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I. I you I can't don't ignore. I don't it. want to pile on the guy, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it was just like there's no there's no other takeaway from the end of that game. Like we're going to talk about the Gonzaga part and how Gonzaga, uh, you know, Gonzaga was good, and that's another takeaway. But like the end of the game, as soon as the buzzer sounds, like the one thought you have is, holy shit, did RJ Barrett really just take five shots and not look to pass at any point? And that's how this game ended. Mm-hmm. That was with Zion Williamson destroying Gonzaga. Like, Tyler Williamson could get in the middle of the paint every single time, catch the ball, turn around, score. He yeah. was doing that at the end of the game. At I will. mean, Brandon Clark was great for Gonzaga early. I mean, he had those six blocks, were, which were amazing, and he had a great game. But at a certain point late in the game, you were just kind of like, Zion is this probably is, the guy that needs the ball right worse. now. As of right now, like, obviously, there's a lot of season left. A bunch of different things could happen. Um, but as of right now, this is mm-hmm. worse than Tatum Kennard, right? Mm-hmm. The dynamic. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. This is way worse. Like, in terms of... of uh, not the chemistry problem. This made I, Jason Tatum blush. That's what I mean. I mean, I mean to, the idea. To watch him do that. The idea of like, I'm the man, I'm going to shoot it every time. Uh, it, 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 every single yeah. year I've been Duke sensitized by what they've been willing to give the leash on these guys. You know what I mean? Like Tatum, I thought it was unreal that he was shooting as much as he did. Yeah. I really did. I, I was like, I cannot believe this guy is shooting this much. And then I watch RJ this year, and it's just, it's nothing like I've any, I, I've ever seen. And I don't know if it's because he's going rogue and he's playing outside of whatever system they're trying to run, or if that's the system. The system is, you were number one, the you get the number one shots. No You're number two, you get yeah. the number two shots. You know, whatever it is. And that's not basketball. That's AAU basketball. And this is Coach K, one of the greatest teachers of basketball in you know so in college basketball at least at least we think so here's the thing though about duke uh gonzaga was a bad matchup um gonzaga did the two things that you have to do to beat duke uh, score points and play defense yeah yeah they did both of them number 3 in the country um, 97 points per game for gonzaga gonzaga has they they exploited duke's depth uh duke got in foul trouble jack white fouled out i believe uh cam reddish had four fouls which we, we should probably spend a second talking about this the cam reddish basically getting in foul trouble and then never getting brought back into the game which was was a i don't know if, how much we want to make of that i'll give that you off, offensive rating on the team um, zion's the highest 125.1 reddish 122.1 rj barrett 107 yeah he's taken 50 more shots <laughs> than zion williamson <laughs> But that was that was crazy to me that Reddish never came back in the game. But anyway, uh, 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 so the 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 depth thing like that hurt Duke. Like Reddish gets in foul trouble, White gets in foul trouble, and then the other part is they're bigs. Like the, the coming into the season, we knew that that was the question mark. You have four awesome freshmen. Who's going to be the five? Who's going to are they going to be able to find a reliable five? Uh, not even not even playing the five. Maybe maybe Zion plays the five. I just mean like a fifth player. Uh, Marcus Bolden. The day before against Auburn was incredible, and yeah, everyone's like, game. "Oh my god, mm-hmm. Marcus Bolden." Who's this guy? This is not the guy that was everyone wanted to transfer last year. Very next day against Gonzaga, could not even be on the court. Like he was a liability. Every second he was on the court, he was costing Duke in some way. Not necessarily his fault. It was just Gonzaga's matchup. Like they have every guy they put on the court could put the ball on the floor, shoot threes, like make stuff happen. And uh, they have stretch bigs. Yeah, everybody on their team. Everybody could play the three. I mean, that's how. So it was. It was an I mean, absolutely yeah. awful matchup for Duke. Uh, I guess I've, if I'm making an excuse, I am going to play. I'm I'm officially pulling the bad matchup card out. And I'm going to play it, Tate. Um, that Duke, I think Duke's going to be okay. I think they're going to be a fine team. Uh, but but they do have to figure that out. Like I think there is going to be a chemistry issue, and it's not like a. It's it, what makes it different is that this isn't a Tatum Canard situation where it was like obvious that those guys 
there, there was like an obvious tug of war. I don't think like Zion is getting pissed off at at RJ. I really, no. I really don't. I think Zion's he's a like, good teammate. Yeah. yeah, and I think Cam Reddish is probably the same way. It's just there's like this subconscious thing going on. Well, the question remains when they have to when, feel when it this out. shifts and Zion's taking 50 more shots than RJ. Right. Will it be will, taken the will, same way? Yeah. Will RJ be cool with that? Yeah. That's that's the test. And, and it's going to shift. I mean, it's going to it's going to change. What's Sal's fake gimmick? The uh, Captain Morgan Riverboat River Casino. casino? Yeah. Uh, how, let's do this one. Here's a fake bet for you. Um, will Duke lose more games? Or will there be more games in which R.J. Barrett doesn't lead the team in shot attempts? What will happen more often this year? That's tough. That's mm. a tough one. Think about mm. that one, folks. Yeah. Submit your answers. Ponder that. Yeah, Not sponsored you. by Captain Morgan, <laughs> but uh, take a shot and think about it. Uh, I was really upset that uh, no one used—this is the only time you can use this headline, Trouble in Paradise. We're in Ooh. Maui. No one used it. That's great. And, and it's because people didn't want to. One of the first articles I saw after the tournament was how Marcus Bolden played great in the Auburn game. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't want to bring up yeah, they don't what's bring, going on in the happen. Duke world because uh, it is what it is. And that's why I want to bring up what's going on in the Gonzaga world. Brandon Clark, second in the nation in blocks per game. Had six, incredible. six blocks in this game. Who is this kid? Where did he come from? I know. Unbelievable. The Mountain West, apparently. Uh, and that's not even like, you know, just like out in the middle of nowhere. That's a conference. Uh, Kim Palm expects his ex to only lose one more game this season. That game, folks, in Chapel Hill, North Ooh, Carolina. Oh, interesting. The only, the Gonzaga only game. has a tough schedule coming up. They play Tennessee and yep. Phoenix here yep. in a couple weeks. They play in the Jerry Carolina. Colangelo Classic. I thought they had one other game. I'm, I'm forgetting, but uh, yeah, they have a tough. They have a tough non-conference schedule. Uh, Gonzaga, your new number one, Tate. How do you feel about that? Just, just it, it seems it seems crazy to to say it out loud that Kansas is preseason number one. They've now beaten two top ten teams in Michigan State and Tennessee. Uh, they're still undefeated, and they have not been jumped once, but twice. Duke jumped over them after Duke beat Kentucky, and then now Gonzaga jumps over them. Gonzaga gets the Maui bump. We all knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. The Maui bump is undefeated. Yes, it will always, always. be undefeated. Yes. you win Maui, you get the bump. That's mm-hmm. how these things work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how do you feel about this? Because I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I, I think we have to stay true to the Maui bump. I think we have to give Gonzaga the number one seed. We're all playing number for number two ranking. the rest of the year unless North Carolina beats Gonzaga December fifteenth. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what it is. If Gonzaga wins that game. And plays out the rest of the year. They're not going to lose. I mean, maybe they lose the same areas or one of those games in conference, but they're going to stay number one throughout the rest of the season. So yeah. everyone is going to talk about the teams like, well, you know, Gonzaga would just kind of be like there, like, and of course Gonzaga. But now we're going to talk about you know where Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. I think North this is Carolina, all orchestrated all by Bill Self. Yeah. That we we made the point before that uh, Bill Self loves flying under the radar, being like the number two or three guy. He doesn't want to be at mm. the top. He doesn't want to be at the top of the FBI investigation. He doesn't want to be at the top of the recruiting rankings. He mm-hmm. wants to live like in that second tier or the bottom of the first tier. That's what he's always trying to do. Uh, I think he, I think after they they looked really good against Michigan State, he calls a timeout with like 12 minutes left, the under 12 timeout. He's like, guys, this is too much. We're the number one team. We need some manufactured adversity here. We got to start playing like shit. They let Michigan State kind of come back. He's like, LeGerald, start shooting. They haven't looked great otherwise. They're still winning the games, but they don't look great. They don't pass the eye test like Gonzaga does. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is all manufactured, I think. That's my theory. Josh Perkins, (laughs) number three in the nation in assists. Yeah. I'm just telling you, I mean, this Gonzaga team, I'm super impressed with everything I saw. What's crazy about Perkins is he's just distributing. That dude could drop 30 on you in in the snap of a finger. Go to the national title game. He hit a bunch of threes in the first half, had me shitting my pants, to say the least. And and guess what? The Gonzaga fans knew what three seconds was, so I couldn't yell anything smart-ass back to them. um, Here's the question, though. We we brought up Brandon Clark. He's he's been incredible for Gonzaga, filling in for Killian Tilly in the starting lineup, uh, averaging 15 and a half points. 7.3 7.3 boards per game, uh, third on the team in scoring, first on the team in rebounding. 
Unbelievable. As you said, did you say he's leading the nation in blocks? No, second. Second the nation. Second the right. nation in blocks. Anyway, as 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 good as anyone could reasonably expect from this guy, but then the question becomes, Dave, what happens to Gonzaga's starting lineup when Tilly and Tilly comes back? Tilly has to start. I think, but we talked about right? Tilly's, Tilly's a stretch five. Right. So all these guys are stretch big, so they don't get in the way of each other. That, that's the thing so, with this team. Okay. They don't have a Karnowski where they have a guy clogging in the middle and, and, and taking up space for everybody. Let's go through. Let's spell this out. So a point guard is Perkins. Yes. He's definitely staying there. Yes. He's, he's going to start every game. Mm-hmm. He's healthy. Uh at shooting guard Norvell, Zach Norvell, yes, had a great been game. Great. Yeah. Been great game against uh, that Gets reverse to the basket, he had. Can also nasty. hit shots. Yes, uh, he's hundred percent starting as well. I think There's, Kispert's out. Cody's you think out. Kispert's the one? Yes, yeah, six go. man. He's going to go Duncan Robinson mode. Get him off the bench, and then we're going to go three big. But Hatchimer is the three. Hatchimer has got to be in. Hatchimer can play the three. He is. I I am very impressed with him with the basketball in his hands, especially in that Duke game. I mean, he's guarding Zion. Yeah. We know what Zion can do with he the ball. He made me a believer. Hands. I wanted to be uh I wanted to be skeptic just because it seemed fun coming into the season, just because like the guy averaged like seventeen minutes a game last year and people got really excited about him. So I was just like They were like me looking yeah. at that poor per forty, yeah. per one hundred, yeah, all that like, stuff. Yeah. I was like, man, you know, maybe it'll be fun if I'm a, a hater to start the season. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a reason to be. I just kinda thought it might be fun. And then I watched him play a few times where he's actually like the guy on the team. I'm like, oh my God, this dude is good. This dude is very, very good. He doesn't miss from fifteen feet. So that's it. And then Tilly, yeah. then Tilly sneaks in, and we have Clark, so Kispert, Tilly. Kis- yeah. So two years in a row, Kispert's in the starting lineup and gets bumped out. Yeah, that's that sounds a, about right. He's tough. used to it. He's learned from, from it that's before. Tough. He's you like know? the local kid, too. Yeah. He's like the one guy from Washington. He's like their their local star. And it's like, sorry, Corey. This is uh, this is the big business of amateur sports. Corey, game. sometimes you got to sacrifice yeah. to succeed. He's a, hey, he's got Bill Simmons on his bandwagon, though. Simmons oh yeah, big, yeah. He's doing some things. He's doing things. He is doing things. One thing he's going to do is sit his ass on the bench. <laughs> Um, so is Gonzaga, do you if so if Gonzaga played Kansas right now, who who you taking? Oh, on Gonzaga, hundred percent. I would agree with that because they're a team. I think they're the best. I, team I, I like Kansas, the pieces that they have, and I think they're going to be great by March. But you talking about today? Gonzaga's already formed who they are. They know who they are. That yeah. was the thing against Duke. And Duke was all looking around. They're like, who are we? No, who's yeah. going to take the ball here? And Gonzaga's like, Norvell's like, I'm cooking today. I'm taking these shots. Perkins is facilitating, and then Hatchimer is their best player. So have you have you looked at mock drafts? Is Zion? Number Unanimous one. number one yes. now. Like, yes. if, have the the NBA has everyone come around on this? Yes, he's number one. Okay, good because I can't. I don't know. I I, I have a fear that RJ Barrett, like RJ, to me, the sad day for Canada. Yeah, there's there's As technically RJ Barrett is now the number two pick. Like RJ might technically be a better player, and so like obviously not right now, but um, like if you like he's gonna kill the workouts. I'm sure he's gonna have like like he's got the body and the the. But yeah, I can't. I don't know. I I, I really really hope that. NBA doesn't mess this up. And when's the last time a Canadian basketball player that was overhyped? That's why you really hate RJ. No, I'm just saying. When's the last time that they came through and you're like, yeah, that kid's as good as they said he uh, was. When Andrew Wiggins played like 29 minutes or whatever it was the other night and was 0 for 12 and had one rebound and one assist. Steve Nash is carrying a lot of water for that country. Yeah, yes. Somebody else needs to. Uh, what else? I from- believe in Anthony Bennett for the record. You got anything else Bennett. on Maui? Uh, nothing else on Maui, just uh, that I do think Gonzaga is the best team in the country, and they earned it. Can we talk about net rankings? We, we mentioned that earlier at the top. Oh, thank God. I was waiting for you to bring this up. Our coach, your coach, uh, Ohio State, uh, Chris Holtman, says we recognize the value of playing on the road, and that value has led to the Ohio State Buckeyes being the number one team. The number one team in the country. Net. In, in the, the country. country. Number one team in the net country. Yes. <laughs> nothing but net. That's the new hashtag. If you believe in the net rankings, nothing but net. That's all you care about. I love about. it. Uh, I'm, I take it as a personal affront that people see the first net 
rankings and basically you're seeing all these articles, all these reactions like, holy shit, they messed this up. And I don't understand why they messed this up. Like, what does that even mean, Tate? Um, and pe- people just really can't handle Ohio State being great. This is the world well, we live in, folks. Did you look at, I looked at the formula. Here's the formula. Welcome to reality. Location plus margin of victory times offensive rating divided by defensive rating plus Condoleezza Rice's uh, formal opinion equals net. <laughs> I can't tell if you're joking. No, I think that's I think actually that's the formula. Actually After reading everything, I'm pretty sure. And that's it has to be her formal opinion. Condoleezza Rice. Sometimes she gives her informal opinion, which is like, didn't watch it. Head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. But also seeding these teams in the NCAA tournament. Well, hold on. So that brings up a good point. What is the net? Not not how do they calculate it, but why do they calculate it? What is the point of this? Who mm. cares? Mm. Uh, I certainly care. I, to me, I think just give Ohio State the title now, cancel the rest of the season. Um, but apparently people are losing their minds over this. What? I understand that it's a tool that they're now going to use in the NCAA tournament. We talked about this over the summer when they announced this thing, right? Mm-hmm. That... Are they not still having a committee discuss who the best teams are? And led by Condoleezza Rice, yes. Led by Condoleezza Rice, who is then they are then going to seed the teams based With on their own criteria. With alternate Colin Powell, in case you cannot make it. Yes. yes. So what's the point of this? Uh, I think it's a response to the AP ranking, and here's the problem, and this is what I figured out. Hmm. AP ranking, we can't trust them. We cannot trust the 65 sports writers and broadcasters that are doing this poll. We cannot trust them. That's why we've had to come up with the net, but I've— provided a solution. We love the first four, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so me and you, there's no podcasters on this list. It says sports writers and broadcasters. Okay. No podcasters. We need four podcasters to get added to this list to make it 69. Good, clean number. Ooh. New blood coming in there. We all meet in Dayton. First four, we're two of the four. Kyle Kyle should probably be one. of. So we got three in. We need a plus one. We'll figure it out. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll, we'll bring a plus one. I mean, maybe, what, Greg Oden? We'll just bring him in. He's a yeah. podcaster sometimes when he's on the show. So that's our four. We come in, new blood. We bring the AP back. People can trust it. We don't need the net. But you want the net. That's I, the problem. Yeah, the problem is right now. The problem now, is we want the you net. don't want to be. So as now you're as, out. Now you're out of the, the new four. So I got to find someone else to come in with the four. I want the net. I just don't understand. I, the net is awesome. I love the net. I, 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 the net is my new religion. But. What is it, and why do we care? Is mm-hmm. I, that's the I will I will never understand. I, I, I felt the same way about the RPI, is that if you honestly believe that the committee is is weighing this shit, because basically what's going to happen is it, the same thing that happens every year. The committee seeds the teams however they want, and then they reverse engineer how they mm-hmm. got to that point and make up excuses as to why they gave this team a uh, this seed. But this team beat this team. Why did this team get the highest? Uh, because uh, their RPI was better. That's why. And I still don't believe they actually do that. I think they just built it one time ago. That was pretty good. And that was pretty good. Out. That was cool. Yeah. 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 So unless unless this is like if, if the net becomes like the hard and fast, this is all we're using. Then I will care about it even more, and it'll be all, and it'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, let's 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 lose our minds over this. But that's not what's going to happen. You're still going to Duke can still have nine losses and get a one seed. So who gives a shit about any of this? But at the same time, Ohio State's number one. But so. back to the AP yeah. poll, you need podcasters. You need four people to be added to the list. We would love to be a part of that. I think we could change things. I just think uh, we would Chicago refuse. State, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, is, is dead last in the uh, the net as well. That's that's my theory mm-hmm. is that the, the NCAA is trying to – I have a big enough ego to think that the NCAA thought, let's design a system to get Titus on board and by, let's make Ohio State one, Virginia two, uh, Chicago State dead last, and then Titus will be all in, and he'll talk about how awesome this is. 
And that's kind of why I, I have my reservations because I think that I'm being played right now by the NCAA. And I think they they want me to then support it publicly and then get, get the rest of America on board. So I'm I'm sort of – I see what's happening. NCAA. So you think it's sponsored by it goes, the NCAA. It goes all the way to the top, dude, yes. like it always does. Yes, yeah, yeah. always. Uh, one last thing for me, Kentucky, blue, collar, cow. Yes, John Calipari, he has actually gotten too deep into the bit that he has now become – everything that he thought he was trying to be to then get recruits at once upon a time when he went to Kentucky. He's a part of the people now. He's a blue-collar man. He is a man of Kentucky roots. He's officially a part of the South, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, he spent some time at UNCW before. Um, and here, here's a tweet to show it. A lot of tweets coming from Cal. Uh, Only by the grace of God are we, my family and my team, in the position we are in. He has gone humble. He has gone back to his roots, his grassroots down there in Bluegrass State. John Calipari is back. You think this is the? You think he's back, or you think this is the problem? I think with he's Kentucky? back as a man. I'm not saying as a coach. Oh, right. Coach wise, this is what he's doing. Coach wise, he's doing this. Anthony Davis scores his 10,000 career point. Uh, he does the. You've seen these tweets. My brain colon. Don't say it. Dot dot dot. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, don't that's say a it, meme. Don't say it. Don't say it. Weird flex, but okay. And then he said, "Me." He t- he t- <laughs> he took the fourth most shots on our team. That was the quote he put. Mm. And then made me ask the question. A little trivia here. Who took? The three guys who took more shots on the 2012 national title team than Anthony Davis. Okay, so I can do this one. I think I, I think I might know this. Uh, Kid Gilchrist, definitely. Nope. What? Oh, I nope. guess he's okay. He's the defender. So I, he was I fifth up on the team. Game. Kid Gilchrist fifth Holy on the shit. team. Holy uh, shit. Okay, the other ones. Deron Lamb is 100%. number one on the list. Yeah, I was yes, say, Deron that Lamb, was the yes. one I was most confident about. I just said Kid Gilchrist to get him out of the way. Uh, Deron Lamb. I'm going to say Terrence Jones. Number two on the list. Terrence Jones. And then number three on the list don't, is an don't absolute say, Don't enigma. say Marcus Teague. Marcus Teague, number what? three on the list. <laughs> Mark Titus, you've done it. That is a great trivia question. Wow. I was so shocked by that. Uh, so the, Cal, what, what, the whole point of this is basically Cal, uh, when he went down to Kentucky, I think, you know, he was like, I got to, you know, play the card, you know, endear myself mm-hmm. to the people. And now I think he actually does love it. I think he does love the people. And I'm hoping that he is acting and is going to prove me wrong. But based on his Twitter account, like, he just loves the family life being in Kentucky, and it's not all about wins. You know, even well, though we're striving I mean, for nine, his you know, hair, we're having a good time. You have a good theory, dude. His hair would back this up. His his hair has slowly, he's he's, he's put less and less product in it over the yeah, years. You watch him now. All natural. It gets disheveled. Uh, it's it that Kentucky be, water, man. It used to be Lavin-esque. Yeah, and now it's, yeah, you bring up a good point. Blue-collar cow. He's become. He's too committed to the uh, to the Kentucky. That's a, that's an interesting point. I think well, the, keep old, eye on this the, the only man that progresses. can say blue collar cow is Cali cow. It's a blue collar Cali cow. Oh, Cali cow. <laughs> Cali cow can say blue collar cow. I, I like that. Cal, Cal to Sacramento. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Vladi Divac also promised that to Moses Brown when he saw him. Um, I have a couple things before we go. Number one, uh, will you please apologize to people for misleading them and saying that Furman is a military school for like five straight podcasts? Look, I mean, as someone that has military in his family, I I thought it oh, was a, oh, I thought it was a thank blip. You. Thank you for your uh, service, but it turns out it was a bomb. And I, you know, I okay. thought that you know it was. Well, a, it was what a small happened there for real? Thing. I, I want to know what happened. Like, why you thought they were military? Because I had I'm sure family like friends at all the people that went down to Furman. They all ended up being in the military. So I just oh, assumed. Just but <laughs> then I was just like, oh, I'm just from North Carolina, and most people end up in the military. <laughs> uh, so that's just life. You think like every public high school is a military school. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, look, as far as I'm concerned, if you have ROTC at your school, you're a military school. So right. I'm sure I'm sure you have that down there, Furman. But I do love Furman, and that's the thing about it. And I just, I was talking about the Citadel, 
Just all in my head, man. It was just, just too many. You were you were teetering too many, blom- too, many bl- too many bombs, too many blips. You were you were teetering on stolen valor there, talking about how Furman was a military. Show. I just I, we had to clear the air. That's First of all, all, why would you not want it to be all the Furman people that were getting upset? Why would you not want it to be a, a military school? They do. They just respect the troops so much. They understand stolen valor is a no no, and they you were trying to give them stolen valor, and it was mm. a problem. Mm. Uh, so we want to get that out of the way. We also do, do we want to very quickly talk about the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Your thoughts? What's the game you're looking forward to other than other than uh, Carolina Michigan, which is actually the best game of the of the slate? Well, I think the two games are Indiana uh, Indiana Duke, obviously uh, at Cameron, and then North Carolina on the road in Ann Arbor against Michigan. Uh, Even though you told me I couldn't say those, yeah, but yeah, uh, well, you know what I don't want to watch? That's Michigan State at Louisville. Um, I'm not really interested in that game too much. Uh, there's Syracuse at Ohio State. That could be a good one, actually. Seven and zero, right? You're going for seven. Yeah, and that one actually. I, I number I'm, one team I'm, in the I'm nation. Kind of, at yeah, home one, that's what I'm saying. The number one team in the nation against the man who the the second most win coach of all time. This I mean, is the uh, Darius Baisley uh, showcase. Yeah, it is. You guys, Darius Baisley is going to be there. You know, they should get a camera on him, just like in a third box where he's just watching the game. Uh, uh, Virginia Maryland. Does that do it for you? Nope. When is uh when is that gonna end? When are we gonna get done with that era at Maryland? We want I want Maryland to come back. Uh, I have two other things. Uh, shout out to Rutgers because this is the only time I'll ever say those words. Uh, they held Eastern Michigan to four points in the first half. That needs to get shouted out. And then also mm-hmm. we didn't technically talk about the James Wiseman commitment. So very quickly, your thoughts on that? Uh, we we did the pod the day before he announced, or the day of whatever it was. Mm-hmm. We knew he was going to Memphis. We kind of covered it already, but. Uh, he officially is now going to Memphis, and things are happening for James Wiseman in Memphis. And a wise man once said, "Penny cut the check." CTC. Yeah. What uh, I saw, I saw Gary Parish, who's also a Memphis guy. It's like him and him and uh, Verno are like the two guys that like duke it out. I wonder if they hate each other. I hope they hate each other. Let's pretend like they hate each other. Cool. Uh, I saw Gary Parish on Twitter was fighting with someone about Penny. Because I because I said remember we were doing the previews I said I'm not going to watch Memphis this year I'm making them my th- I just want to absorb through the media what's going on with Memphis this season mm-hmm. and I saw Gary Parish fighting with someone who said Penny is blowing this season so far because I think they lost to like Charleston or something mm-hmm. something like that like Penny and people are and then Parish is like you dumb ass it takes this time is the like, long wait con. To, yeah the yeah. long con mm-hmm. so uh, I guess that's the Memphis update is that like. They're not great right now here's, out of the gate. Here's my Cal versus Penny update. But they'll be good next year. You know how they were saying that you should get Jalen Rose to go to Kentucky and be like the player that recruits the guys? Yeah. Why don't you just one-up the Penny, bring in 50 Cent to Kentucky, 50 Cent's your recruiter, he's on the road. It. Go celebrity. Go full celebrity. I got another great idea. Yeah. What if uh, NBA guys, so Adam Silver gets in on this, he declares that you can't retire. You ha- In order to retire from the NBA, you have to first So we got give- silver, cents, and pennies. Yes. Nice. Boom. You have to first give a six-month advance notice that of your retirement. It's like six months before the season, whatever it is. Give them advance notice. Uh, and you say, I'm going to retire at the end of the season. It's like Vince Carter right now would come out and be like, this is my last season. You have your six-month He's month not done notice. yet. Yeah, but let's, for, for argument's sake. Um, and then you get those handful of guys that are about to retire and then the college coaches recruit those guys to be their recruiters. And it's like they commit to the, you know what I mean? So now like Cal and Penny are actively recruiting Vince Carter to their to staff. To come back to the program? Yeah, to is come to one year? Is it one and done? Yeah, is and it's opposite? a one and done. Yeah, it's, it's a the one exact and done, opposite, and except done. you're doing it with like 40-year-olds. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. Yeah, let's do it. Who's, who says no to that idea? Probably Vince Carter. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, anything else before we go? No, I'm just excited That's to be it. back. Ooh, um, yeah, Turkey Week. I'm excited we had a great time. to go suck down a bottle of NyQuil and get my throat back and, and get my energy back. Uh, we'll be back 
later this week. We are yes. doing a podcast later this week. We, yes. we're, we got to break down all this Big Ten ACC challenge. I hope the Hoosiers keep it close. If this game was at Assembly Hall, the great thing about this is I can make this statement and there's no way to prove me wrong. If this game is an Assembly Hall, IU is winning it. Um, no doubt in my mind, but it's not, so we'll see what happens. I'm excited for Romo to be in prime time. He deserves it. I'm so excited for Kobe White versus like one of the best defenses in college basketball and just to see how all that unfolds. So uh, We'll be back later in the week to break all that down. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time.